This is the CQ on Congress Coronavirus Special Report. We are bringing you daily updates on the policy news you need to know using the reporting prowess of CQ Roll Call. I'm Sean Zeller. Today is Friday, May 29th. China is the nation President Trump loves to hate. Since taking office, there has been an on-again, off-again relationship. Trade has been the main sore spot between the two nations. That is, until recently. The tension has ratcheted up, even spurring some to call it a new Cold War. Among the flashpoints? The coronavirus, which originated in Wuhan, the crackdown in Hong Kong, and the president's move to expel some Chinese students from the U.S. The president is expected to speak later. Now, CQ Roll Call's Niels Lesniewski sat down with Republican Senator Marsha Blackburn of Tennessee, who falls into the hardliner camp. She supports a lot of the president's actions when it comes to China. We spoke to her about that and other issues related to COVID-19. Our guest is Senator Marsha Blackburn. She's a Republican from Tennessee, and she has been focusing a lot of her efforts uh, during the coronavirus pandemic on potential actions uh, responding to China and the Chinese government in connection with the spread of the virus. And one of the items that uh, Senator Blackburn has been proposing is an effort to have American citizens be able to sue in U.S. courts in order to get compensation or restitution from the Chinese government or Chinese officials. Senator, I wanted to ask you where that proposal stands and whether there is any uh, interest uh, on the Democratic side of the aisle on that proposal. Well, thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk about it. And uh, what we have is interest in the concept. They have not come aboard and co-sponsored the legislation. But Niels, this is through the Foreign Sovereign Immunities Act. And what our legislation would do is go in through the biological agents and would amend COVID-19 into that. And just as families from the Beirut bombing and from from 9-11 used this to receive compensation, families that have been adversely impacted with loss of life and livelihood would be able through U.S. courts, which would have the jurisdiction to go in and file a suit against the Chinese Communist Party for the harm that they have suffered. So there is support for the concept of allowing Americans to seek this justice. We have not had any Democrats sign on to the legislation either in the House or the Senate at this point. Senator, you have been particularly critical of the the Chinese government, the Communist Party, suggesting at some point that the virus uh, was essentially disseminated uh, by the, the the Chinese government or may have been disseminated by the Chinese government. Do you think that the Chinese government would have actual fault in sort of a legal sense in the United States? Uh, for the spread of COVID-19? 
What I have said is that the Chinese government lied. They hid information and they were not transparent. Uh, in Wuhan, they knew for 51 days that they had an outbreak. They didn't say anything. President Xi knew for six days that they had a pandemic afoot. There were 3,000 people in Wuhan that had the virus before anything was said. There were people that were locked in their apartments and were left to die. People were allowed to leave Umbe province and fly from Wuhan around the globe, but they could not leave that province and go anywhere else in China. So they knew what they were dealing with and they hid that information. Because of this, their sense of omission, if you will, made the pandemic worse. If they had been forthcoming and would have given the information to the CDC, to the WHO, to other nations, then they would have been able to appropriately address these situations. Before we were all sort of restricted to staying at home and limiting a crowd size, I can remember being in the Capitol and, and senators and, and House members were receiving briefings, I think as early back as still during the impeachment uh, trial in January. Uh, is, it, is it your sense that the, that the information that was provided in those briefings, and not necessarily the fault of the U.S. government, but that, that perhaps because of China, that the information provided in those briefings turned out not to be correct? What we do know is that um, the briefings contained information that was coming from the WHO, uh, coming from the Wuhan Institute of Virology uh, to our scientific diplomats and to the CDC. So they were functioning off of the information that they knew. Now we know much of that information was incorrect. But they were providing the best guidance that they could at the appropriate time. Now, it also begs the question, should we look at accountability in these agencies? Should we ask the question, have they become so bureaucratic that they can't turn on the dime? And do they need more flexibility in order to get to a decision? And the answer to that is something that we'll arrive at as we uh, do the debriefs and look at what transpired with the virus. It's my understanding as we talk about the economic recovery uh, that you are uh, joined with a, a bipartisan group of uh, senators. I think, I think Tim Kaine from Virginia is the lead Democrat uh, on an effort to get more assistance for people who work in the live event industry and for uh, the businesses that are sort of the performing arts venues, which I know are particularly important uh, in Nashville and elsewhere in your state. Uh, can you talk about where that effort stands and what should be looking for in, in the next sort of uh, coronavirus aid package on that front? Uh, yes. And early on, as we were working on the CARES Act, I was, I worked with Senator Rubio and we were able to include in the definition of small business, uh, independent co contractors, sole proprietors, self-employed. And this scooped up a lot of those songwriters, singers, uh, lighting techs, things of that nature. 
one thing we do know is that with the live event and venue business, their economy went to zero overnight because everything came to a complete halt. So when you talk about live performance, tours, concerts, theme parks, everything just came to a full stop immediately. And they have been severely impacted. There was no partial participation, no way to have part of a concert or a small concert or work at 25% capacity, things of that nature. And this is primarily a small business independent contractor industry. As we look at how we move forward with this, what I have heard from many in this industry is they need the flexibility with PPP because it's going to be tough to get these venues back on the road. They need the ability to have some sort of testing that is a rapid response test, something that is similar to a breathalyzer that as you enter a, a venue or a facility um, or a temperature check when you come through a turnstile. Those are the things that they're telling me that they need. Um, they also are looking at uh, one of the things that would be helpful is payroll tax holiday. Another that would be helpful is tax deductibility or a tax credit would be even better for what they spend for uh, purchasing PPE and making their companies safe for employees and for um, customers. They also have mentioned it would be helpful to have a cap gains tax holiday as they work to reopen. Something much like the Opportunity Zone for Distressed Communities, having an Opportunity Zone fund for distressed businesses that have been adversely impacted by the presence of COVID-19. And have you had any, uh, particularly on the various uh, tax credits, uh, particularly maybe on the tax credit for purchasing uh, PPE or maybe immediate expensing uh, of, of those purchases, is there anything uh, percolating for the next phase uh, of the, the CARES Act or the next uh, aid legislation? Well, before we do anything else that is additional expenditures, let's look at regulatory relief. Let's look at liability protection, which is also important to these venues. And let's look at tax incentives and credits. And uh, those are items that would have a more substantial impact and would provide the necessary aid faster than trying to debate a bill, get a bill signed into law, then get a program, a federal government program established. Obviously, with the uh, circumstances in Hong Kong, the issues and concerns uh, with China go far beyond uh, the questions that you have been raising about uh, COVID-19. Do you think that there is perhaps, unfortunately, an opportunity for more uh, bipartisanship given uh, what the Chinese uh, government is doing with respect to Hong Kong? I know we're 
anticipating some sort of announcement from President Trump as early as today. But what would you like to see the the U.S. government do uh, more broadly? Yes, and I think it's important to realize Secretary Pompeo has already said he cannot certify the autonomy of Hong Kong. So we're fully aware of that, and the president should be supportive of that action when he gives his remarks uh, later today. What we do know is that the Communist Party in China, the CCP, which rules China, uh, they have as their goal global dominance in the 21st century. They have looked at this as a 100-year marathon. As their economy is teetering, what they are doing is trying to push against us and the West to further their Belt and Road Initiative and to get a toehold. If we're weak, they want to beat us down. We also know that militarily, their aggressiveness is being shown in great power competition in their push into the islands there in the South China Sea. The work that they are doing with their Blue Water Navy, uh, the way they are implementing technology, the way they are riding on the backbone of Huawei to build an international spy network. So China is under pressure, and because of this, it is like they are making a Hail Mary pass. And scooping up Hong Kong is one part of that. Uh, taking away the uh, one, one nation, two-party rule concept and allowing Hong Kong to function as their financial center, which has really been the backbone of commerce for mainland China. They feel like they can take that autonomy away and bring them under their umbrella and have control of that financial center. Quite frankly, I don't think that's going to work because I think a lot of the multinational and international companies that are in Hong Kong, whether they're financial service or technology, are going to move assets out of Hong Kong and get it to somewhere that they're not under a fear of being ruled by the Chinese Communist Party. Senator Marsha Blackburn, a Tennessee Republican, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. That's all from the CQ on Congress Coronavirus Special Report. From all of us at CQ Roll Call, I'm Sean Zeller. Have a nice weekend. Thank you for listening.